history of personal computing. It's the History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast. I'm David, and I'm joined by Jeff. This is the show where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. It's sort of like the Antiques Roadshow program, but all about antique personal computers. Hi, Jeff. What's new with you? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, good morning, David. It is morning. At yeah, recording. good morning. Um, Normally, we do our show at night recording. Yes. It. But, you know, we're not vampires, so we're not restricted to nighttime <laughs> use. Um, what's new with me, you asked, though? Um, I've been continuing with my um, recovery, my data recovery from all these floppies I've had. And I've been playing around with that uh, um, that device I got. Boy, I, you know, I put the device in a box. I actually got – at work, they were throwing away an old uh, half-height um, SCSI tape drive huh. box, you know, one of those power yeah. boxes. And I thought, you know, that will be perfect for me to stick the floppy drive system I'm using with this car. Wow, what are those tapes called? Is it using um, the tape cartridge? Yeah, it was using the – Like 20 the, gigs? SciQuest. Oh, okay. Uh, but it was an external – in fact, it says IBM uh, 7208. So it was designed for like the PS2 series or PS1 series computers. It's an external box, built-in power supply. It powers my dual floppy half-height drive, which I use with this card. And um, it just self-contains everything. So I was just using it to back up a lot of the five and a quarter inch floppies I have. Still not knowing what's on them because I got to write some code to look at the flux patterns that it's saving. But at the same time, I noticed it had a problem reading some of my uh, old Amiga disks. So, and I may have mentioned this before in many different venues, but my Amiga collection of floppy disks that I had since almost day one that I had an Amiga have been moved around in varying environments, and that is not good on floppies. I found out, you know, uh, I found out over a decade ago that I've been doing that for a decade before. And floppy disks can get like mold and particles and stuff from the moisture and yeah, at bad temperatures. And although this thing will back it up just fine, um, it's better for me to restore this stuff on an Amiga where I can. I can clean the disc a certain way. There's a trick that I use with uh, uh, isopropyl alcohol. And I can run it live on my Amiga computer. If an error comes up, I re-clean the disc, put it back in, and eventually it reads the files. And I've been slowly pulling files off my old Amiga disc, finding pictures I've done a long time ago, uh, uh, files I've written, you know, text files I've written, and Whatever it's it's actually pretty interesting. I feel like you know, my own historian here, yeah. um, but I've been working with that stuff lately. Uh, might might publish some of the pictures that I was working yeah. on back, back in the days when I was playing around with Amiga multimedia. I just some of the stuff I couldn't believe I was doing that stuff. I said, really, I I put a shiny ball on a checkerboard floor <laughs> and rendered it and called that good. Um, but I have the picture. <laughs> well, and it was pretty amazing back then. 
It was, but I'm just glad I'm able to restore this stuff. Us black and white Mac users were certainly in awe, though I, <laughs> though I wouldn't have traded my Mac anyway. That's but. right. Um, the Boeing demo wouldn't read, but I can get that anywhere. But these these are stuff that I've created myself. It's not going to be available anywhere, and now I'm archiving it by hook or by crook. I'm getting the data off of it finally. Well, and yeah. just to your point, and not to state the obvious, but you know, moisture is is obviously the one of the worst enemies of computer collecting and software and stuff. And Thanks. I've had a pretty good um, run over the years. So I've certainly had diskettes fail and not work anymore. But most of I know, my top of my head, my average has been pretty good over the years where I could, I could pull an old floppy out and it works. And I'm trying to think, I think for most of the years, most of the time I was keeping my floppies inside. So they were climate controlled, but for well, I've lived here in the Atlanta area for six years. They almost always have been in the garage. Actually, I brought them back inside now. But I, I tell you, I can't say enough about Damprid, the product Damprid. Oh, I, I've yeah, used little, it for a long time. Just absorb moisture from the air. Yeah, and you can buy the kind that, that are self-contained and you can hang them up. Like I keep one up in our attic where we store some stuff. And then, you know, I got to check it so every so often and, you know, they replace it. But then you buy the little, like little bucket ones. And then yes. as it absorbs water, you dump it out and you have to refill it. But and I mean, it work too. Yeah, those things. All it is is what, silica or that same you, stuff? Yeah, that silica gel stuff, but it's in the raw powder, I believe. Well, kind of like nuggets, little, little, uh, like, like kitty litter, basically yeah. is what it looks like almost. But, um, but I tell you, it, it, you know, I have to think it really helps a lot. I've been using it for years. And that's so part of what things. killed my Amiga disks. Because all my boxes in the garage, you know, all the paper yeah. and boxes and stuff, oh, and they're all very dry. Stuff, yeah. Well, so. unless you have you know, a temperature-controlled garage. Me, my Amiga discs were sitting in a huge cardboard box. I had over 500 of them by the time I put them away when I was sort of like letting the Amiga go for a while because I was getting into the PC world and things. Yeah. And they were sitting in a damn basement uh, oh, for yeah. years. And I was using stuff like that RID because I had other stuff down there too, but – Obviously not enough, and you know things get packed away when you move. Things get packed away, put into corners, and that's where they sit. So, well, and you've got other, yeah, thing. you've got bigger moisture issues because of where you live. Yeah, and, you know, but I I've, think too, and in basements can. I noticed of, the quality of the disc. It makes a big difference too. Brand name discs like Sony discs and stuff like that, the ones we could never afford at the time because they're like three dollars each, actually survived better than those ones you'd buy a rack of fifty for. Yeah. 20 bucks. Oh yeah. At the computer shows and 3ms, you know, I always swore by those. 3ms were good too, and and I had one that had the same kind of. You can open up the shutter in one of these three and a half inch discs, and if you look at it, you can see spotting on it, and that is the. Some people say it's mold. It could be dirt that just collected from moisture. Whatever it is, you can see it on there. It's not. It's not the shiny. Shirt, yeah. You know the, the, the good sheen on it, um, but isopropyl alcohol can work it. Um, breaking that down, getting rid of it. And at the same time, the surface of the disc can, you know, oxidize. So it creates a rough surface mm-hmm. and, um, using isopropyl alcohol creates sort of a surface lubricant that will evaporate, you know, without. Right. Right. Problem. But it just runs it. It runs it just enough so that it doesn't make noises or chatter inside the disc drive. And just make sure you have a disc cleaner, you know, to go through every three or four discs to keep things clean. But it works. Um, I'm slowly getting stuff recovered and even some stubborn files that kept telling me it was an error, error, error. If I just stick with it, eventually yeah. it's it. It's just persistence, patience, and uh, lesson learned. Well, back to the whole thing about it being morning. So uh, this will be a particular instance. I guess we've done this before, like where it's 
where it's been a Saturday or something. So we're actually recording on Friday, March 4th. So really, whoever starts listening to this today, you're listening to it on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, as soon as we get done, we're going to quickly edit it and, and, and uh, put it up, publish it. So, so that's kind of, you know. It'd be nice if we could always do it this way, but unfortunately, we have to work normally. But we're well, both we both happen to be off. For your editing skills. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what else was going to say? That's really I it, know, I guess. I interrupted you, so I probably no, no. Well, moving along. So you've got uh, you've got a news. You know, we try to add a little one or two little news items in the news Some or with something come going across. on. Yeah. So what do you know. got? Well, I found something. I, I've never been a big Apple II person, but I understand the um, the issue here. Um, you may have heard um, the, the name Quinn Dunkey before. She's uh, uh, very prominent in retro computing and retro hacking. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you heard. I hadn't, but maybe before. you know but that. I think I shared a podcast with her once for uh, retro. Uh, what was it retro gaming? She was on. Oh, yeah, she was on. It was um. Oh no, it was a, it was no quarter podcast. She was okay. on there as, a, as a guest. We were going through like a uh, a list of uh, arcade games, um, with uh, with the host Mike McGinnis and um. Were you on it? Were you on no? Yeah, quarter? I, I was invited to actually two of them. Oh, okay, I forgot. And I think you've to- you've said it before, but yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, um. Anyway, but she's she's kind of a um, a hacker in retro computing. She makes things work where they were never intended to work before. And the the linked article here, it's a long read, and it took me a little while to summarize it. But and I'm not going to go in deep with it. But basically, it at an at an upper level, at an outer level, it's it's like this is a problem that people have had when computers in a certain lineup were made faster and faster. It causes problems when you go back and look at the older stuff again. So she was talking about an Apple II C Plus, which, uh, from what I understand, went from 1 megahertz to 4 megahertz in the Apple line. And in order to play some of the older games that were clocked to the 1 megahertz portion, uh, you'd have to like hold the escape key, I believe, when you turned it on to put it into 1 megahertz mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, each and every time you wanted to do that, you had to turn the machine off and on again. You couldn't warm boot it. Um, to to get in that mode, so she documented everything she did. She looked at the ROMs. She went through source code. She did all sorts of tests, this and that and the other, and even looked at hardware level. Uh, and she found a way to create her own set of ROM code that wedges in. She burns her own ROMs for this. That wedges into the existing ROMs. And there's a video at the end that shows that she can power it up in its standard four megahertz mode. And then just through a simple warm boot, you know, uh, a control sequence, um, and I think using an extra key in the process, uh, soft reset with the option key held. So um, when you hold down the option key with a soft reset, it'll switch to the other speed without having to do a shutdown and turn it back on again. So she can do it on the fly. She demonstrates how she writes a basic program, a small basic loop, runs it, takes them out of time, and then just with a soft reset... She doesn't lose the basic line. She just goes back up to that line again, and it's running at a different speed. That's cool. I, so that I can appreciate cool. that. And yeah, this is this is great stuff. Um, I might even have. To, I have an Apple II C Plus, I believe. Um, oh wait, maybe you know this. Apple II C and Apple II C Plus, two mm-hmm. different things, right? They had, yeah, the two C. Okay. The two C. So the, the original Apple II C is a five and a quarter inch drive in it. 
Okay. And so then the two C plus had a three and a half, then but, I don't have that but it's yet. faster too. It was improved. Okay. And I don't know if it meant this part. I'm not sure of whether it had like improved. I don't think it had improved graphics. It could have had improved sound maybe, but I know it was faster and, um, you know, and had the newer drive, which was faster in itself. So it went from beep to stereo beep. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she posted this uh, the end of January, so it, it's rather recent news, and I thought, okay, that, that's neat. That's the kind of stuff I like to see and, and promote. So, um, cool. For those of you with Apple IIc Plus and don't mind digging into your uh, computer, you might want to check that out. And I haven't looked recently, and I, I know that the topics come up a number of times, and certainly back when I was on the RCR, the Retro Computing Roundtable, that is, and uh, in that old show, yeah. Which, by the way, you know, I was actually because I was looking up No Quarter, and uh, so the RCR just did their 121st episode on February 28th. So, so they're going strong. So, uh, and uh, but anyway, so the 2C Plus, I, I think it's it's kind of um, it's more rare. I think it's not as easy to get a hold of, and they and so they cost more on eBay. You know? oh, okay, and and so some collectors desire those versus and 2Cs. there's no way to upgrade a 2C to 2C Plus. I don't. Think so? Not technically. Not yet. But, um, Maybe Quinn will do it. And by the way, the No Quarter podcast, which is about um, arcade video games, essentially, right? And yes. So the history of them, and then the two generally co-hosts uh, both play it and see who gets a better score and all. So <clears throat> I was not aware of this, but um, so if you go to NoQuarterPodcast.com, that is the current website versus the old website on monster feet that Carrington Vanston, uh, had. Yes. So Carrington, he, I think stopped working with it for whatever reason. Yeah. So it says, uh, the show made its debut on October 14th, 2012, ran for 125 episodes with Mike McGinnis and Carrington Vanston. And then on April, April, 2015, Carrington Vanston retired and was replaced by Rob Flack O'Hara and Flack threw in the towel after 13 episodes. And <laughs> then the podcast was on hiatus for three months. And so now it's Jeff Prescott and Mike McGinnis. So they just did a show, uh, Going back to the March, so they just did a show yesterday, or it was posted anyway. It'll Robotron probably end up on my timeline then, or my podcast. So, uh, so there you go. No quarter one forty three is posted. Go check it out and tell them we told you so. Right. Yeah, I think I did get a notice of that. All right, so moving along. So that's very cool about the Apple II C Plus, and, and of course we, we were talking a little bit before the show about how, um, and I can't remember specifics, but this has been an issue. I've seen a few times, especially like an emulation, which is not exactly the same thing because that's, this is hardware. But, you know, we're like, because something's being emulated or it's, uh, I don't know, but, you're playing it on a newer machine, it runs too fast, and then it's not fun. You can't play a game if it's if it's running too fast. Yeah, some emulators let you throttle the speed, but uh, Quinn's ROM modification will work in emulation, except instead of having to burn ROMs, you just edit the ROM file. And uh, you can simulate the exact same operation mm-hmm. using the, the control and option key sequences and stuff, um, but in emulation. So if, if you don't want to go up there and hit the menu to throttle the, the Apple IIc Plus emulator, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you can just do the key <laughs> sequence with the modified ROM. So in my uh, show, in, our, well, in the show notes, my, my little news item, I just wanted to again mention the uh, Vintage Computer Festivals. So we've got the um, the one here in the Atlanta area, the Southeast, coming up uh, just a little less than a month from now. So that's April 2nd and 3rd on the weekends. That's the first Saturday and Sunday of April. So VCF SE coming up. And then you've got in central New Jersey, VC, uh, VCF East. 
And that's just yep. two weeks later on April 15th through 17th. So that's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then you've got the the first for a decade, I think, or less, a little less than a decade, the Vintage Computer Festival West in Silicon Valley is in August, 6th and 7th. And then finally, uh, this is all the American ones, or U.S., so Vintage Computer Festival Midwest in the Chicago area is in September 10th and 11th. So remember those. If you haven't been to one, go to one. Try to go, you know? See people, say hi. Especially if you you're may, in driving distance, it's not, it's not going to be that you costly. You may be able to get free stuff depending on the show. Yeah. Well, I know the, the uh, Chicago one, the Midwest one, they have that free room, free uh, table. Stuff. Yeah. And they do that here, too. Um, there's usually like a table of some freebies, and then there's a consignment table. And it's funny. I was just thinking about that. I was going, hey, you know, I have a couple of things I've been wanting to sell, and I sold a few things last year. And then, of course, I think they get 10 or 15% yeah, the, the show gets, which is 15%. helping them out. So, uh, and that's your eBay cost, and you, know, yeah. you don't have to worry about shipping them. Well, you don't got to worry about anything other than just dropping it off and come back and get your money. And it goes to a good cause, not eBay. Yeah. And and me. If you buy my stuff, it's a good cause. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> cause. I think I made $120 last year. I wasn't expecting it, but I, I sold that much. Yeah. Uh, that's how much I took home. So they got the you know the 15% markup on that too. So And generally, whatever you're buying, you're getting a better deal than eBay. You know? Yeah. So, so it's falling somewhere in between uh, eBay and buying it from someone who's almost giving it away. <laughs> so that's a good deal. Absolutely. So on today's show, we are continuing and we're going to finalize our coverage of the 32-bit GUI computers. On the last show, we covered the somewhat boring beige Compact Desk Pro 386, as well as some other 386-based computers. And we touched a little on the Windows, uh, I think it's 2.1, wasn't it? The, the, the 286-386 operating systems. Yeah. So today, we're talking about the next computer. So we've mostly tried to stay in a timeline. So uh, so. We're, we're looking at late 80s now uh, when it, it ultimately came out. So so the uh, next. Um, okay, so a little bit about it. The next computer was shipped in a black box. And therefore... Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> wait, correction, Jeff. Sorry. It it was the black box. Sorry about that. Little uh, miswording there. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. Anyway, from the source of all knowledge, Wikipedia... Um, this is what it says. Next Incorporated. Later, Next Computer Incorporated. And finally, Next Software Incorporated was an American computer company headquartered in Redwood City, California, that developed and manufactured a series of computer workstations intended for the higher education and business markets. Next was founded in 1985 by Apple Computer co-founder Steve Jobs after he resigned from Apple along with his co-workers. Oh, well, some co-workers that he brought into his own company. Uh, Next introduced the first Next computer in 1988 and the smaller Next station in 1990. The Next computers experienced relatively limited sales with estimates of about 50,000 units shipped in total, which you know, obviously is, is not very many for his entire no, lifetime. not at all. No, nevertheless, their innovative object-oriented Next Step operating system and development environment were highly influential. And and yes, I agree with that. They really were. Um, what a lot of people don't realize, that even people in the know, if you will, like like us or some of our peers and other people that even have a passing interest in computer history, is that um, you know people know that Steve Jobs you know left Apple, he started Next, and then ultimately Apple Computer purchased Next and brought Steve Jobs back to the company. And basically Steve Jobs went on to really great things, saving the company and being the ultimate computer visionary of all time, you know, 
I think okay. I think that's the Hollywood story, right? I can see the glow. <laughs> <laughs> so what a lot of people don't realize and even have forgotten, even a lot of uh, Apple aficionados, is that so I'm on a Macintosh right now and I have an iPhone right here. And I know you're you're an Android user and more of a Windows user, but Oh, we got the Macs floating in the house. Yeah, I mean, but but really... The guys versus the girls in this house, uh, Androids and Macs. So basically, next step, the operating system, it became OS X. So for all practical purposes, I am sitting here using the modern incarnation of next step. It became open step, and then ultimately it was turned into Rhapsody, I think was the name, and then it, it's the basis of OS X. It is OS X. And then a lot of people forget this too, and Steve Jobs said this in the introduction of the iPhone... The iPhone was had OS ten. The i you know what was called the iPhone OS at the time iOS is also based on Next Step, which uh, in other words Mac OS ten, like a BSD design or something like that. Yeah, I mean scaled back and different things tweaked, tweaked and so on. But in other words, Next Step, you know, and Next saved absolutely saved the company Apple. That is, but so that's internal in Apple of how it's sort of how much influence it had on the future of Apple, but. There's some other things that people don't know about is about how uh, – so there's um, there's an article I read, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more, not stay on this too long, um, about how Next Step actually arguably gave us the very first app store, which, you know, arguably Apple created some, one of the first commercially successful app stores that has now copied, you know, other companies, right? Yes. Um so anyway, it's just – and, uh, you know, people may know uh, also that the next uh, computer was also used to – by Tim – am I saying his name right? Tim Berners-Lee to create the World Wide Web concept and web browsing and all that. So – yeah, some, want to say it was, something? Well, it fixed in, yeah, it, it worked well because it uh, was built around a server-like environment. Uh, I think it was the uh, the operating system for the next was based on BSD, which is like a form of Unix. Yeah. Yeah. So it was natu- it was naturally useful for server based stuff. So yeah, I can see how that would work out quite well. Plus, you know, nice little black box. It it looked cool too. See, see this is the internet in the box right here. So one of the links in the show notes is for a documentary that is being worked on called App Story. And it's now reading so there's a link in the show notes to um App Story. It's S T O R E Y dot com. Um you know, for the, as they're, they're making this documentary. So I'll just read the quick intro here. It says, this is the untold story of history's greatest computer inventing the web and the first app store. Excuse me. The next computer was used to invent the World Wide web and the first app store, both the very same computer technologies used to create your iPhone and every one of the apps you use on it. Uh, okay. And I'll leave it at that. So check that out. There's a little introductory video there. Um, tells you a lot more. So, so there's a documentary that's coming. And plus the next link is to Adam Summerfield, um, his Facebook page called Banana Computer Community. And you may remember Adam as uh, he worked with Charles Mangan, who 3D prints uh, computer reproductions, Apple ones. And uh, more specifically, the Pixel, which was an Apple Lisa. Um, yes, you had mentioned. Yeah, a little case. And then Adam Summerfield worked with him and, and put a Raspberry Pi in it. And it runs, uh, you know, the Lisa emulator and so on. So at Banana Computer Community on Facebook is uh, sort of the headquarters for Adam about both the, the Pixel and also a new one called the Next Cuboid. <laughs> have your which, little micro next machine yeah which is being sold and it's a, it's a little miniature black cube and it has a raspberry pi 2 with gnu step am i saying that right yeah well 
you know, like, like your new stuff, stuff. That's tomato, tomato, tomato. Okay. It's like it hurts my tongue to do that. Um, I just say new step. I'll let other people oh, okay. speak about. That's what I call it. I mean, okay. I I think it is officially GNU. I just don't understand why it, that ever became the official pronunciation. And um, and you can probably speak to this better. So new, you know, or GNU is a an existing for a long time uh, Linux distro, Unix distro. Yeah, it's like the it's like Linux to Unix. It's but it's you know to to Next instead. You know. Yeah, in this particular instance. So basically, it's a little miniature. Uh, next, you know, running an emulator of Next, so that's cool, right? A little yeah, reproduction it's a little Next, box. and I, I like those. Uh, I, I actually want to uh, make an uh, Amiga five hundred style box for my Raspberry Pi. Uh, see, yeah, and there's so much room for all that. I think ultimately we're going to see everything like that done. I think yes. we'll see reproductions of everything because <laughs> it's cheap to do. It, yeah, at this I point, it doesn't take basic a lot of work. Raspberry Pi templates. All I have to do is then build um, a box around it. Then I have the template for fitting the ports and stuff like that. It just it takes time sometimes, and then you got to wait for the thing to print. So um, so check that out. That is the Banana Computer Community. That's Adam Summerfield on Facebook. Also, there's a link in the show notes to RetroConnector.com. That's Charles Mangan's site where he sells. Uh, and I'll go there real quick. Yeah, this is where he sells the different uh, lots of things actually, but 3D printed uh, other computers. And again, mostly well, not totally Apple. He's got an Atari 800 XL case. Um, Atari 1050 little card reader really neat, just neat stuff. Um, a lot of stuff there. Check it out. That my wife has that Mac Apple Watch duck. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it looks like a, a classic Mac Plus, and then you put your watch. When in When you it. put your Apple Watch in there, it charges. It looks like yeah, a little green display clock. Cool. And the work is just really. He does an awesome job with these things. I mean, obviously from the printing and there's the detail, and then even uh, you know suggesting it's that difficult i guess but he's taking the time and the attention the detail to like paint it in such a way where it looks really authentic the surface yeah, give it the, the original paint. colors and stuff and the texture and everything what you yeah saying? finishing a 3d print job takes some time and, and craftsmanship yeah i mean within you are limited to the the material you know whatever that stuff's called what's it called that you use the abs and yeah PLA plastic yeah pla stuff. stuff to work with abs is much better for painting Oh, no. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, my mouse died. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was hoping my computer didn't die. All right. Let's see. Uh, it came back. So that's it on that. Let's move right into the eBay auctions. So, Jeff, you oh, first. Okay. Unless you had any more discussions about next, do you want to say? Uh, no. No, I, I don't. Um, Are you much of a next it? aficionado or I'm not. Care to I have one? appreciate it for what it is, but uh, I'm not jumping in on it yet. But I'm I'm finding that if I wanted to, it's not going to be very expensive to do so. And okay, get on with my first auction here. That kind of since I I tend to pick all the ones that have completed. So, yeah, I was looking at both. This is the next computer. Yeah, for yeah, next isn't as popular on eBay as like say a Commodore sixty four or an Apple II. So you having a hard time finding them one way or the other but this is the next computer the next station this isn't the black box this is a more of a, a pizza box type yeah a, a later model yep uh, with a monochrome display and actually looks like a really sharp monochrome display mm-hmm. i don't know why they were pushing monochrome and not going color but anyway um well they only were monochrome the early ones were they yeah okay. so if this is a later box or later system but with an earlier monitor i think 
Well, I think it's a, you know, so the cube, it wasn't, it was called the next cube, but it was just called the next computer. Okay. And that, so, and then, and then later on, they actually called it like the second generation it was called the next cube. That was like the official name of the computer. So, okay. so you had the next computer, which was a cube. And then, and then I think this, I'm going to say this is like 1990 timeframe. So this is a, you know, a lesser expensive, obviously less about style and all that versus performance. And when they, they came out with these guys. Apparently, some of the multimedia capabilities and stuff were built into the monitor. So you kind of had to, if you wanted to get the full experience, you kind of had to use their monitors anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this one, it's basically a turnkey next station with the monitor display. It sold for one twenty six fifty, which isn't too bad. If I, if I saw something like this in operation somewhere and I had the money to spend, I would buy it just you know, to say, now I have a next. Uh, this is a comfortable price for me. Now, shipping yeah. was $75 from uh, Saratoga, California. That's cheap. I don't even know how the guy's and pulling that, yeah, that it off. Yeah, it does seem To cheap. me, too, it would be that. And this guy says it has a working Ethernet, uh, and you can get it on the Internet, which I hope so, because then you can try the World, War, or World Wide Web uh, uh, version 1.0. Um, cool. You know, and see, standard SCSI drive. So it looks like this was a... Um, a complete ready-to-go system. A very generic one, one, but still, it's a next computer. So. Said there was some monitor wobble because of something on the base of the monitor is bent outward for whatever reason. But you know that kind of stuff. If it works, it works. To me, getting a next uh, system is kind of like getting a, a, a an SGI Indigo or an Indy computer. You know, Unix-based mm-hmm. system that has some uh, niche market, niche use, but it's been popular in certain circles. Um, and it's just, you know, finding the space to put it. I already have an Indigo. I just need a good monitor for it. Um, but that's kind of how it is to me. So I found this quite affordable, the fact that it works, and um looks like it works really well. The guy's running some stuff. He's running, well, he's running a web browser on it, so. If you look at... um uh, If you look at the back of the display, you can see, so the monitor was made in 1992. So, yep. um, so probably, a, you know... And I'm also looking where the person is in Saratoga, which is right outside of Cupertino, Los Gatos, California. I'm trying to see where Redwood is, where Next was. Because it's also got a low serial number, and I was wondering if maybe it might have been internal or something. or you know, Makes sense against oh, somebody yeah, who's in the, the area. For the monitor. Now, looking at the connections in the back, uh, I would assume that there's a sort of a monster cable. It's like yep. a DP19 that goes from the computer to the monitor. And I guess the multimedia stuff channels out. Or branches out from there because it has line out, uh, RC level line out, headphones mm-hmm. out, microphone in, and um, I guess Apple Talk is or something like Apple Talk is there. <laughs> you see, it says digital audio, two channel digital audio built into the display. That was pretty, pretty big deal in 1992. And also, if the model number, see, it's an N4000B. So it's like, uh, I think, you know, basically what this was, this is a cost reduce next. You know, okay. sales weren't very great, so they were trying to bring the cost down. And, um, uh, also, I don't know if the original Nix had this, but if you look on the back of the display, so you see the big jack you're talking about, right, with the cube mm-hmm. picture. And to the right of that, it's got the little, uh, like, three little line things. It looks like Apple Talk, doesn't it? That Well, that's uh, it is. That's it an is. Apple so they, connector. He incorporated Apple Talk networking, yeah. serial networking. Well, no, I think it's AD, that's ADB. So, in other words, it used the same keyboard and mouse connection as the Macs did. Which is I don't know if it did oh, that originally, but but it did later on. So that's, that is kind of interesting. And just a little bit of trivia for you, if you if you didn't know this, Jeff or some of our listeners. But one thing that was interesting about the next computer is it utilized 
uh, what was called display postscript. So it was a, so you were looking at you know postscript all the time. Um, so the text on the the display is rendered in postscript language. Yeah. And then when Apple That's interesting when okay. Apple brought it in, so what we currently use in Mac OS X is they converted that to display PDF. And so that's what currently Mac OS X uses now. So I and uh, I know that PostScript, you know, Adobe, right, could convert mm-hmm. to PDF. So I don't know any yeah, technicalities the otherwise. Was similar enough to be easily converted. Yeah. But for the printing industry that was a big deal. Oh yeah, because then it, just the language itself was passed across. It was the device that interpreted it and displayed it to whatever scale it needed to display it, so that it was convenient in that sense. You know, if you look at the interface on this next here, and you were to look at, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, early OS ten. I mean, they look so similar. The dock, you can see the dock over there and stuff. Uh yes. So anyway, all right, cool. That was a good find. Yeah, that's I would two hundred bucks to have a, a next working next. I don't. The, you know, the problem is, even though the sh- shipping's cheap, coming from California, I don't know if I could trust it wouldn't get beat up coming here. Are you, yeah, to you either? To well, somebody won it, so um, they, you know, hopefully it's working for them. I don't know where it was shipped. We we can't find that stuff out here, but yeah. Anyway, the next next <laughs> is, is an original one. Is is a is the cube? Yeah. And, just things are mounted vertically in it. This is just the cube. I guess it's rarity sets the price. Uh, boy, it's filthy on the inside. But oh yeah, still, they got they did get really dirty. It's oh, it looks like there's a filter in there somewhere that tries. <laughs> um, but it looks like there's something's yeah, and it doesn't have that ADB. What's that power cord coiled up inside for? Anything? Do you know anything about that? Uh. I'm looking. Is there something else that went inside there? See, oh, I think they pulled. Bucks, no, that's the power supply. Yeah, but then there's a there's a a power cord that's coiled up in there. I don't know how that goes, or I don't know. Did they unplug the hard drive? Because you see, like a plug at the bottom left of the Mac store. Is well, that maybe where it goes? Yeah, but that that plug is uh, looks like a. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to see. Even it's it's in, in pretty good condition here. Maybe it isn't. It just kind of looks like the same kind of plug that would go on the outside of the computer for the power supply. Yeah. I, I may be mistaken. It might be something else. I'm trying to look at the scale of it. Yeah, what and you I see find, it does have a filter there that really needs to be cleaned. What I find interesting here is uh, it won for $600, and it's in this kind of dirty condition. So I guess there must be something. You know what? In fairness, I think, believe it or not, so – it's really not that bad looking at it. So it's really dirty in that bay because that's the air intake. And then you're looking at the dirty side of the filter where it's it's filtering all that dirt out coming um, inside. Is this the front side I see with K&H on it? Is, is that a K&H filter? Um, like the same ones who make filters for cars, air filters? Oh, I don't know. Oh, wait, but there's the fan. Oh, you're right. That must be the other. Then that's the other side then. Isn't Let's it? see. Seems to try to boot from hard disk forever. Lows and ejects optical floppies. Have the original keyboard, mouse, and black and white monitor, which are not included in the sale. Son so, of a. So it's just a box for six hundred bucks. Okay. I think an original cube. I, I think yeah. I, you know what? For six hundred bucks, I kind of think you should throw in the keyboard and the mouse at least. <laughs> but, at least, yeah. And maybe the display, but it, I'm not going to say it's crazy if it works. Okay. I, the prices are going up. I think for. Well, that's for those. part of what we do here is we try to 
yeah. find out. The slabs are the way to go. I mean, if you just want one and you get one and maybe that works, it's in good shape, and you get the next experience, and you know, and you don't care about it being a cube. Just put it on the floor. Because and- then you buy a, a cuboid instead and have that on your desk and while you use the slab. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to move along to the next item, which okay. I, I don't know. Maybe you have some insight on this, too. I've been trying to guess what it is just solely from the auction and its price. Next computer sound box. Now, from what I'm reading about this, it just seems to be a speaker. Yeah. Probably an intelligent speaker of some sort uh, or a very rare component in the uh, the next uh, system environment. Um, but it sold for $200. Yeah. Wow. In its original box. Uh, which well, there, were, guess, there was the black speaker sound box here, and there's also a matching black printer, you know, a next printer. And I think those are certainly more rare and can pull some money if they work. I, I, I'm familiar with this. I've never had one. I've had a couple of Nexus. I think I've had three over the years. Um, I've never had a sound box. I know I got I got beeps out of my next. I don't know if I ever play anything where I could hear real. I guess you could hear. Otherwise, you'd get regular noise out of it. <laughs> Sound. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what it does. I don't know why you, you need and it. And there's versus- not enough pictures to show any connections or anything. But there was a, a suggested auction connected to this one. I don't know if you see it or if it's something. Yeah, perhaps the earliest next they I'm didn't have the, speakers. In um, I'm looking at the the connected auction to this. There's uh-huh. a connected auction. I think oh, it's live auction. by it now. And it shows that it's a wedge-shaped speaker. And on the back has pretty much the same connections as the next monitor has. Huh. So I'm guessing it's probably the audio portion of the next monitor in its own little box. Maybe people could use a third-party monitor, and this will give them all the additional audio capabilities. Oh, maybe so. So that that could explain the price because there's some active uh, hardware in there. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't remember now if I ever tried play, getting any real audio. I want to say I did in the different necks that I had. And I, I've always always had had the classic, so not that last display, but the more classic looking megapixel display. I don't know if you know what I mean, where it has like the little wheels on the front of it. And it's kind of like a sideways V sort of a base. Trying to picture that. And, and I think um, I think it had sound capabilities built in. You could play music off it or whatever. Well, if anybody knows, you should write us, or you should absolutely. But it looks like they just took the audio electronics out of the monitor, put it in this box, and maybe people could use a third-party monitor for their display. Yeah, and this gets the additional functionality. Hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a neat little peripheral, but you know, we're, you think two speakers maybe for stereo. If it, <laughs> but that was sort of that business audio type stuff that uh, we heard about in the previous podcast where. Yeah, we'll give you the ability to make decent sound, which is not going to be flashy about it. And obviously, for most workstations and stuff, it wasn't a big. Even I think with a lot of Macs, you know, it had built-in capability. And for these next, you know, sound maybe wasn't that big of a deal. It was more about graphics and capability, you know, visual capability and stuff. Um, like I don't know, if, I don't know how many games there were for the next. Not too many. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be too many. I mean, I'm sure somebody wrote stuff, but it would be very niche market. So moving into my auctions, I'm not sure if you saw this particular seller, but I have heard of these people for a very long time. So uh, so I put the link in the show notes as Black Hole Incorporated. 
And so this is a seller on eBay. So basically what I decided, I linked to their actual uh, page. Uh, what do you call this? Their eBay store. Okay, yeah. And you can see everything they're selling. So Black Hole, and I want to say they're in Maryland, I'm pretty sure. And they've been around since like 1993. And they've been an exclusive next um, reseller. They're in Maryland. So if I wanted to pick up some of this stuff, I could drive down to Maryland. Yeah. So they currently have uh, you know a lot of next stuff for sale you know, and through eBay in their store. So they have two next cubes for sale. And these are 040 machines. The original one was a 030. Unless uh, they moved. I picked one of these items. It says Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, uh, maybe. But um, like oh, they well, want. I'm not going to drive that far. 29.50 for, for one and 12.50 for another. So I'm assuming these are, I'm not going to go into them, but I'm assuming these are really nice next cubes. So all cleaned up, probably have a new filter. Yeah. Uh, here's a next station slab just by itself for one forty nine ninety five. Some next step software for two hundred three point three. Word perfect for next step. I did. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Word Perfect was made for the Amiga ones. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was kind of the primary um, professional word processor that people used on Next was Word Perfect because Microsoft still didn't. Like uh, perfect. <laughs> Microsoft didn't release any Office stuff. <laughs> no. I think there's a there's a funny story where like. Like someone asked Bill Gates what he thought about the new Next computer, and something like, if I remember, they go, well, "Are you gonna Are you gonna make software for it?" And he said something <laughs> like, "I'm gonna, you know, shit." Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> something like that it was kind of funny. But anyway, so check that out, and that's uh, Black Hole Incorporated. And then the next link I have is let's get to it. And is this an is this a current auction? No, bidding has ended. Okay, so this is next it step. So this, these are installed disks and documentation that ended about a couple weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. Uh, so for $46 was free shipping. So this is a good um, example of you can get, you know, 3.2 seems to be very common, 3.3 next step software. And um, I think these, you, know, you have to run on on a next. So do you still Oh, no, these are for get- Intel. Install disks like this for the next. And the reason why I'm asking is when I when I started to work with my um, SGI Indigo two, uh-huh. um, it had an operating system on it, but it had an admin password on the whole uh, thing. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to back up the hard drive for later. Yeah, and I'm going to reinstall Irix on it. Um, They're like serialized. Yeah, and I yeah they were serialized, so I I couldn't just download and make my own CDs. I had to actually have an Irix yeah. 6.5 install pack. And I that found stinks. one on eBay for like 30 bucks and I have it and it works. I have it installed. Um, I'm pretty certain next, know, like, next wasn't like that. So you could, you could, if you wanted to find next step and make your own CDs and yeah. install it. But this, this is convenient because you have everything ready to go. Well, and just to point out too, again, if you'd like to sort of play around and check out the next step experience or whatever, um, these are from the later days of next when they had finally, uh, start either they were really close to it or they'd already discontinued their hardware and they were just a software company. So these picker ones are for the Intel. They're not for, so you can put this in an old, uh, of I, yeah, Pentium. I think so. I'm not sure what the requirements are, but for 1993 or four or whatever, it should be. Yeah. 46. But so this is something pretty common. You can, you can get a hold of not too expensive and see what was my last one was, uh, Oh, also, I started looking for um, magazines, and I hadn't looked for Next World in a long time. And this is the only one I found. And this sold uh, – where is it? Well, 
Anyway, it's sold. Best offer. Best offer for $499. I used to have this, too. I'm not sure how long ago I sold mine, but nowhere near. I don't know what their best offer was. You know, to try to say it's worth $500 seems pretty This is ridiculous. the premier issue that those usually do. Uh, yeah. And I used to have it. I actually had two of them. So. And this is one where they can officially put the word Steve Jobs in the description. Yeah. And they did. Rare Steve Jobs. See, that's where it counts. <laughs> yeah. Not the other stuff. They just throw in Steve Jobs so you'll search for it and, you know, and, and it pops up in the description. But. And I haven't, I haven't looked on the web, but you know, just maybe someone has started to digitize some of these issues and you can actually just look at them for free. I, you know what? I, would, wouldn't be, I really wouldn't be surprised. It might all. be on archive.org. I don't know. There's, so, there's stuff you know, going up there all the time. But Next World was the sort of the premier uh, Next magazine, and uh, so there you go. So I think what did we what did we find out? I guess that for probably on average maybe a couple hundred bucks, not counting shipping, you can you can get a working you know slab inexpensive. Yeah, if you don't want the showcase models and stuff, you can get something that would run. Um, and it looks like if you want like an original cube and and all that stuff, and then you're looking at you know at least probably five hundred, seven, six, seven hundred dollars to a thousand, probably. I agree. Or yeah, more. They, they seem to be considerably higher for, I guess, you know, what is it, slower system or less, yeah. less features? Yeah, it depends on if you want the hardware experience or the software experience. So, all right. So you had an extra, we both picked an extra auction. So yes. you found an and Apple I One? Came across, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I saw uh, this one too. The question mark was there. This this is just one of those auctions like, you know, you just have to lay a fed it because it's eBay and this is the kind of stuff you'll find on eBay. So a guy has here an Apple One computer and he, and he doesn't put Steve Jobs and Rare on it, which I'm surprised. <laughs> he wants $5,000 for a starting bid with no way of talking him down. Of course. Uh, plus, you know, there'll be a related description or contact the seller for freight, but this is in Wilmington, North Carolina. Anyhow, it's in a homemade wooden case, so I guess just like the original Apple One was in a homemade wooden case. And I don't like the case particularly no, myself. It's, I don't know. Like, it's just, is this particle board that he's or he's using laminate board or something like that? Or is I don't know. Is it even stained or something? I mean, it just seems no, like it's you not could stained. do it. Even the original Apple One came in a stained case. Um, <laughs> So I, I call bollocks right there. And I guess it comes with a Panasonic uh, tape recorder and a plug-in uh, see, cassette board and a copy of Apple Basic on cassette. Uh, and oh, he's got fans in it. I thought those were like speaker Then things. a CFFA compact flash adapter for the Apple One. I guess he's including that. But he has pictures of – I mean, this is cool from – from a DIY perspective, how he fit this. And I believe it is an Apple one. I don't, I mean, I guess this is an Apple one board. No, it's a clone. It's a clone board. Okay. Yeah. So. He said, he says it's a clone. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a Optronics Apple one reproduction, which are okay. One of the ones that are you know, very accurate. They look, they really look like the real thing. So there's a little bit of, unless you read the fine print, it's a little bit misleading. This is not the original Apple one in a wooden box. <laughs> it's a, homemade uh setup uh he has speaker holes in his box but or is i guess that's fan holes yeah but they're done in such a way to look, where they look like speaker yeah, holes, look which like i guess holes. is the fans okay, going but... through one of them it's not going through the other so i guess that's air intake because when it's hermetically sealed with the top which looks like it hinges 
Mm-hmm. It's like the keyboard hinges uh, off the top, so or the back hinges open uh. off the key. Uh, one way or the other, um, you get a Apple oh, yeah, One I clone for the low, low price of five thousand dollars. I had to check to make sure that wasn't some weird conversion. No, it's five thousand dollars, not not shekels or uh, you know rupees or anything. It's five thousand U.S. dollars. So, yeah. So my my opinion is uh, actually looking at it. I mean, it's. Yeah, the Optronics Apple One clones are actually very well done. So it it, it looks like they an give authentic, you the true experience. Yeah, it, and it totally looks like it is a. Uh, yeah, what's the the vernacular, the verbiage we use here? Where it is a, uh, it's a look-alike reproduction. I mean, it is a reproduction. Yeah, work-alike. but work-alike. well, no, I'm sorry, it's not a work-alike. It actually is a reproduction. Oh, okay, and and I think it, it utilizes as many accurate like. The exact no, same chips, same everything, part layouts and stuff like that. Same traces on the board. It, yeah, and it, so it looks. It's it's very well done. I'm not a big fan. I mean, the case is is nicely done. I just don't. I don't know. It should be darker or something. Maybe because we're all sort of stuck on that famous Smithsonian one. I, I just think I would have done the case slightly different. But um, I think five thousand dollars is just too much. Yeah. Um, you know. With the with it, if it's tested, working, put together, it's got the extra little things to it. The cassette, what was it, the other little board in there and stuff too, but um, yeah, the CFFA adapter, it, yeah, and all that stuff. I guess if you bought all this stuff together, the, the, you can't even get the CFFA anymore, can you? Um, from the CFFA one, I think so. I think you can. Can you still get that? All right. Yeah, and I think that was a big. Um, that was something that where at first it just worked with the Apple II, and then he he made it where it would work with an Apple One. You know, like like he's upgraded it over time, where it works with different different stuff. Anyway, I I think just my CFFA one is a hundred dollars. My opinion is it's worth maybe uh, I, I would say at least at least two thousand, definitely, but maybe eh, I mean three thousand tops. Really? <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, what the clone board is worth that much? Yeah, because I you know again, I, and I'm not a total expert on this, but I think let's say that. I would think you could buy one of these boards. So you could buy an unpopulated one of these Apple One boards for $500. Okay. Unless someone starts making them again. That's the thing. Someone that knows what they're doing could start cranking these out again, couldn't they? Yeah. Somebody who can take a schematic and convert it to a board and lay the parts out and get somebody to produce the board. And then, uh, But then the next step is, of course, trying to find all the accurate components is, is a date. Probably you know. not as hard as you think because I'm I'm pretty sure it was built with off the shelf components at the time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. A lot of 7400 series TTL chips, and you know I know I have a bunch that I just pulled off of old boards. Um, that it's not difficult to come across those. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Used it's market will work. You know what you're doing, well. and you know. Okay, so I would figure for something like this, it'll be the sum of the parts plus, at most, maybe 40% for workmanship. Uh, but I don't think 5000 is No, is I think that's too much. So it, give it, us your opinion, it, listeners. Yeah. Please. It, it's, it's a neat thing. I just it, – it's the price that got me. It, I think I'll write – you know what? On this one, I'll try to remember. Uh, I think I'll, I'll write James and John from the Retro Matcast and see if they'll offer us up a – an opinion that'd be a good crossover say hey record a little yeah. bit so we can play on our next show about about that yeah i'll ask them to do that how's that sound yeah they can be a consultant for this yeah i'd like to hear their opinion of what what it's valued at especially i know i think you know john sort of follows this sort of stuff a little bit more um you know and they're both going to be at the vcf se which would be nice to see them because they're from florida so of course they 
you know, for coming here isn't too bad for them. And if they ignore your emails, you can stop them in their tracks there and make them stop. <laughs> All right. So moving into the last auction, my extra auction. Well, you know, I was really torn and I messed around. I kept trying, what do I want to find? And so I ultimately I started searching for, let's look for um, PDAs. And so I found these. And I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's not that old, but, you know, it's kind of historic at this point. So basically, I found a good deal. If you would like a brand new Palm Zier, Z-I-R-E, sealed in its, uh, what's that called, a blister pack? Yeah, so, so this is cut your hands. So this is kind of near the near the end run of Palm as far as uh, they had far more advanced Palm devices. But this was like their entry level. I, I want to say this, this sold for about $90 maybe at the time. And this is probably 1990. Six, maybe? Is that seven? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's it's yeah, because I, I remember I, I started picking them up. Oh, I think it's got um, a date on the back. Flea markets for for cheap. Um this might even be early two thousands because it's saying it supports Mac OS ten point one two. But um or it carried on through through that time. But you know, so here's something that's still kind of vintage and important, but you know, a brand new one sealed for you can buy it, buy it now for eighteen dollars and then you know, $10 shipping from uh, Tarboro, North North Carolina. They have 10 available at this moment. And, um, you know, if you want to try to fool around with the Palm devices, it's brand new. Now, it's a black and white. It's the very basic entry-level one for the time. I was even tempted to buy one, <laughs> you know, because just the, the idea of yeah, getting the, one, the opening it up. It's pretty good for, for what it is. See if I could install the Palm software and make it sync and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I have a couple Palm Pilots um, myself, some of the older ones. I have a... Something similar to the the, the Zero Thirty One. I I actually picked it up at a flea market in the late nineties. Uh, it was like just sitting on the desk with a bunch of other stuff at the table, and it was like five bucks. And I thought, yeah, know, five bucks. And I'm I have buying. a couple too. And so don't know if it works. Before but. I pulled the trigger, I thought I better. Why don't I just see if I mess around with the one maybe one or one that I have, you know, and see if I can make it work and sync with my current Mac or something versus buying one. And you can still see some of these sometimes at flea markets if you're yeah. in a big flea market area, you might come across one. Nobody who's selling it will know what it is. They'll just put it there. They'll say, oh, that's a calculator. You know? But there's something nice, of course, about it's brand spanking new still in its package. So yeah, you have and the its package of- is neat. You know, even if it's something that you set on your desk at work and show people, all the younger people coming in, yeah. say, hey, this is what we this, – this was our iPad. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing how influential it was. Um, you know, I've uh, – I've written yeah, about this before. I, I, about I remember when I first saw a Palm. It was back when it was 3M doing it. Um, oh, was it? Oh, 3Com. 3Com. 3M. Yeah. yeah, 3Com. And US I Robotics. At, uh, yeah, that's right. I was at a working interview. I was interviewing for a job, and I was going to – it was for a consulting company, and then they were taking me to the customer's uh, location, and I was there for a working interview. Basically, I sat in on a meeting they had, and, you know – basically really? showed my strengths and stuff by interacting with the meeting. And I listened to the meeting for like 30 minutes and then they were scheduling their own other meeting. And all these people in suits would just whip out this little device from their jacket and start tapping away incessantly with this plastic pen. I didn't know what I was looking at here. I just <laughs> saw people tapping away and I was just totally taken back as to what this was all about. And then I found out later what it was. Mm-hmm. It was the the Palm Palm Pilot, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. That might actually do pr- pretty good in the future. But it just it was that moment in time where this everybody 
in the meeting except me, of course. And and the uh, the the guy I went in with, who was you know sort of setting up the interview for me, were um, <laughs> just pulling out these devices and tapping away at it. I didn't even know what they were doing. I didn't know why they were all tapping in the same spot on on the screen until I found out later the the um, the graffiti language that they used to input text. Uh, but it was it was interesting. I didn't get the job, but then because you didn't have a PDA, like, I didn't have a PDA. No, it turns out he doesn't have a PDA. You're not really going to hire him. It was too far of a drive for what they wanted to pay me. But hey, you know, free ride, free lunch. Can't argue. Yeah, but it was just that moment that when I first saw a Palm Pilot device. It's like wow, um, it was very interesting. All right, so let's get back here. Oh, so we wanted to talk a little bit about some feedback, which we didn't have any specific email feedback this time. Um, Did you say we did have some on the website or no? Well, none none on the website that I found. I I had logged in earlier and there was no comments placed. Um, I did, you know, as usual, had to sweep off the dust to to look to see that (laughs) nothing was there. Uh, On Facebook, somebody commented when we posted the last episode that, they had an old compact desk pro or, or prolinear or something like that, which, um, had a 386 in it, but they, we were talking about the power of the 386 and stuff. They had a, uh, Cyrix CPU. It was like an add on uh-huh. an upgrade that would fit over. It would just plug in over the 386 that was mounted on board and, and gave them 486 power. Um, I remember those. And it said instead of the po- toggle power switch that would be on some of the boxes that had a long tube with a um, with a push button that would extend through the through the case. He was remarking how the power switch extended through the case to the power supply in the back of the case. Um, they they tried to to make these compact tried to make these systems smaller. They had to reroute some normal functionality, you know, to go with smaller switches and stuff like that. So they did things mechanically. Uh, to make that happen and then ex- drive expansion bays didn't have many if if any at all or, or just the one that you had to buy their stuff with um so yeah the, he was bringing back the days of trying to squeeze as much you can get out of your computer you, you, either reducing the size or expanding the uh, cpu with these add-on devices these aftermarket devices it was pretty interesting back then what people would do to customize the, the computers that they spent a whole lot of money for in the first place. I was trying to, Oh, I went to our page instead of the Facebook page. I was trying to get there, but that's, that's fine. Um, so at Twitter, let's see what we got here. Um, so Ben Granville tweeted to us, uh, just, uh, yesterday. It looks like that the compact desk pro is the epitome of the boring beige box. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much all generic PCs. Somebody were. had to set that. Um, let's see. Uh, and CGO apps tweeted, can't wait. That's about today's show. Such a mysterious time period relative to all the copious coverage of jobs. I'll be listening for sure. Well, we got one listener. <laughs> <laughs> we get more than that. I, we con- I constantly see people liking our Facebook page. I know. Page, we're up so to five or six now. I'd- we're doing good. <laughs> um, and then also Matt London, um, I guess this is like after the last show says, do you have something to remember all the retro computers you've parted with. And then he's put some pictures up. And so that's on our, our Twitter feed. Yeah, I do remember seeing that. I, and I called it a time where I didn't have much time to look at it, and I never went back to it. So I'm going to have to... Um... So listen, we want to hear from everybody. 
you know, follow us on Twitter, tweet to us, go to our Facebook page and, um, you know, say some things, especially stuff we can uh, respond to on the show or read on the show. Um, so I'm doing that little part of the show right now where I usually do it at the end. <laughs> sure. Why not? It's but also you can leave comments on our, on our actual webpage too. There's comments for every, every posting, but we especially really would love to hear, um, you know, audio people send us some audio, try it. It's easy on your machine. And then, uh, is there some alternative to people that don't feel comfortable with that? How could they send us audio? You know, they could record it on their smartphone and email it to us, couldn't they? That would work too. Yeah. Yeah. So email address, and we'll be able to pick that up. Yeah, we're an audio show, so that that'd be really nice to have more audio feedback from everyone. So, wrapping it up, next oh, wait, show. One more thing I wanted to oh, add. Oh, go ahead, quick. And I posted this on Facebook, but for anybody who just listens to us and doesn't follow us on Facebook, I um, I found that the in an earlier version of our show, uh, we talked about the Selby um, oh, yeah. computer. And I found out, just by going to the uh, Vintage Computer Federation's website, that apparently somebody's going to have a working Selby uh, 8B there. So that's uh, cool. the VCF East. So I know I'm looking forward to seeing it, just so I can see one in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I know, and I thought I'd pass that along for those who may be interested in seeing one in person. Go to Vintage Computer Festival or Fe- yeah Federation, and the link Vintage will be in the Computer show notes for all the shows. Vintage Computer Festival East, yeah, so yeah, so there's a because we covered it earlier, so there's a link in the show notes. Yes, to the the link there is to the the main page that shows all the different festivals. Yes, and, and then you, know, you can also, link off. You go to this the VCF East Festival, you can see what um, exhibits are going to be there, what which ones have uh, registered, and I still have to register mine. I didn't do that the last time with uh, the interview with Evan. I said I was registering at the time, and I was. Uh-huh. But then I changed my mind about something. I didn't get back to it. He, he emailed me yesterday and reminded me that <laughs> you know, it's getting close, so I have to give him a decision by uh, Sunday if I'm going to display something or if I'm just going to be a, 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 a visitor, you know, an attendee. So – eBay show 11 will be released on Friday, March 18th. That's in two weeks. And guess what, Jeff? What? Starting next show, we'll begin our official look at the beginning of the second tier of personal computing, portable computers. All right. We graduate kindergarten of computers. Now, technically, we did do one show already, and that was our K-Pro show. And uh, I put a link here. It's from, I think, what, September 2014. If you'd like to listen to that, that was show – that was our second episode. Yes. It was our very second episode. That was one and, of the earlier. And the reason we we at so we did the Altair 8800 and the K Pro, and the reason we we decided to go and do the K Pro is because Andrew K had died, and yes. that's why we jumped ahead on that one uh, portable. So uh, so we won't be covering it again because we did it. But anyway, uh, just to give everyone uh, just a quick uh, fundamental computer history lesson here. So basically, there's there's generally four generations of computing. So you had the first generation, which was. Uh, sort of defined by the vacuum tube. Then you have the second generation, which is defined by uh, transistors. Then the third tra- the third generation was defined by um, integrated circuitry. And then it, for the most, for all practical purposes, we still are in the fourth generation of computing because the big thing that changed what created personal computing was the, um, the uh, I'm losing my train of thought here, the processor, the microprocessor. Wait, 
Is that right? Yeah. Microprocessor is what it's called. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So, Still. <laughs> so the microprocessor is what all personal computers are based on. So within the the personal computing world, you you and it's it's sort of evolving and changing, but essentially you have three tiers. So of course we're just wrapped up the first tier, which was desktop computing, right? So now we're moving to the second tier, which are the portables. And then the third tier we'll get into, which are the uh handhelds. Um, more, more on that later. So basically, um, starting next show, we'll be covering the first portables, which the K pro fell into, and those are called the luggables. So on the next show, we'll be talking about both the Osborne one and the Otrona attache. That's a new one to me. Oh, you haven't heard of that one? Nope. Yeah. Sort of, um, you know, not that well known, but believe it or not, um, you, you, cause I did a quick look on eBay. They go, are, are any of these available? You know, do we we'll want to cover this one? For- and they're, they're on eBay. So you'll find, okay. we'll find them for the next show. So I thought it was kind of important, you know, that in this case, probably doing two would be good. Uh, so anyway, there you go. We're moving into the luggables. And then as we stay in the second tier of personal computing, we'll move into the actual laptops and, uh, you know, so on. You can find all our show notes at the history second of personal computer. What's that? So our second tier, so we go from the bigger machines to the smaller yeah. portable machines, so we have uh, diminishing goals in this one. <laughs> yeah, this area will be kind of kind of slower. And then again, the third tier will be handheld computing, which has a unique storyline. The palm falls into that, even though it's not really a... And there's some crossovers, too, with portable and... and yeah, yep. That'll be interesting. Send your feedback, too. Feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. Check out historyofpersonalcomputing.com. Remember, we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter feed. Please tell people about us. Help spread the word. And also give us your feedback, written or audio. And basically, that's a wrap for this episode. So get your old computers out this weekend. Wipe them down. Organize your software and play with them. Plus, remember, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Check my feedback A plus plus they